Well, all over America and the world this morning, uh, and maybe yesterday morning, and maybe this afternoon, kids will be looking for things. Easter eggs. Um, growing up, we just did hard-boiled eggs, um, but you know, now we fill them with candy and all sorts of good stuff, and you know, and that's fun to go looking for things. As a parent, it's especially rewarding when you have a bright pink. Easter egg just sort of sitting out in the open and kids just walk right past it and then they walk past it again and then they walk past it one more time and you say I see something and and they look and they just miss it they just don't see it 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 happens all the time it happens to adults too you know you're looking for something and it's not there you know the mayonnaise it's supposed to be in the refrigerator door somebody moved it we won't say who it's now on the bottom shelf in the very very back and you don't see it because it's not in the right place. Sometimes you look for something and it's, you can't find it because it's just not where you were looking. You know, it, you, you think it's going to be in the drawer. Somebody tells you it's in the drawer. Go look in the drawer. You look in the drawer. It's not in the drawer. It's, it's actually in a cupboard or it's in a closet. It's in another part of the house. You know, you, you, you don't see it because it's not there. Sometimes we don't see things because our eyes aren't trained to see things. Sometimes we don't see him because we're not trained to see him. I remember growing up as a kid, anytime we would travel anywhere with dad, uh, he would drive and he could find um, hawks, he could find um, you know, animals, deer, uh, bear, gorilla, uh, flamingos, you know, all those things that you have in California, you know, Gila monsters, all that kind of stuff. Um, would be there, and he could see them before we could see them um, because his eyes were trained for that. He had a little more experience looking for those things than we did. It's Looking for stuff is sometimes hard. This morning, we've got a really kind of interesting text. It's about looking for Jesus. It's, it's that Easter morning text. It's in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, if you've got the church app, you can follow along with us there. We've got the, the text there for you. Uh, we don't have it on the screen this morning because of some things that changed, um, but, but that's where we're going to be. And it's here that we see these, these women who watch Jesus die, they watch Jesus get buried, they watch Jesus go into the tomb, and there he is put, and they say, you know, we're going to come back uh, and, and anoint his body for burial. This was a tradition that they had. Now, they can't come back on Saturday because it's the Sabbath, it's a day of rest. It's holy to them, and so they're going to wait, and they're going to come back on Sunday. They come back on Sunday, and there is nobody. Now, this text to me is, is somewhat uninspiring, because Jesus had said, he said, listen, I'm going to die, I'm going to be in the grave for three days, and then I'm going to rise again, and here's, that's what's going to happen, and so just be prepared, be ready. And what would have been great was if that very first Easter morning, all the disciples, all of his followers, the women that were coming, if they had all got together and said, hey, you know what, Jesus is going to rise from the dead. Let's go ahead and let's get some banners together, you know, some balloons, a cake, you know, resurrection cake. You should have a cake at these kinds of things. And we're going to have a big party and we're all going to be there waiting. And when he comes out, you know, angels and glory, all this stuff, we're going to go, happy resurrection. And this would be an amazing story, but that's not how it goes down. They assume that he's dead and that dead people, like most dead people, stay dead. And so there's not a whole lot of hope. They get there and and the women are going to go anoint the body. And and here's what the text says. It says, on the first day of the week, early in the morning, they took the spices they had prepared, went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wondering about this, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. They're angels. Uh, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. So the women will then go, and they'll go back, and they'll tell the apostles, and they'll say, hey, guess what? We went to the tomb, and we didn't see Jesus. Now, the disciples, they're going to not believe them, and they're going to want to go to the tomb and see it for themselves. And so they run to the tomb, and they find the tomb is empty. And it's just the way that the ladies had described it to them. But, but in this whole encounter, the thing I find most interesting is the question from the angels. The angels are there. What are the angels doing there? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're tidying up things. It says that they, they found the linen uh, folded. Maybe they were folding things up, tidying up the place for the next person that's going to come in the tomb. I don't know what the plan was. But the angels are there, and they almost seem surprised by the women. The women are there, and the angels look at them, and they go, well, why are you here? Why are you here? Now, it, to most of us, it would seem pretty obvious, right? You know, well, he was, he was dead. He was buried in this tomb, and that's why we came here, because we thought he'd be here. Uh, they go, why are you here? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You see, here's the thing that the angels are telling us, is that Jesus isn't found in the grave. Jesus isn't found there. I, I, I once read an article uh, where a doctor was describing sort of the difference between Alzheimer's and just being forgetful. You know, with being forgetful, you might, you know, put your keys, you know, in your purse and you forget about it. You know, you might put your keys, you know, on the counter and forget that you put them there and put a newspaper on top of it. You know, with being forgetful, you forget that you've got them. Maybe you're even holding them in your hand and you go, has anybody seen my keys? You know, that's just being forgetful. Uh, Alzheimer's is where you forget the connection and the relationship and it all starts to come apart and you take your keys and you put them in the refrigerator because that's where you think they belong. And you put them there because you've lost connection with the, the reality of it. There are some things that are just defined really by their own nature and their own nature defines the reality for it. I mean, think about the sun. The sun defines the day. That's why we call it the day because the sun is up. You know, this is why we call, you know, the ground earth. We call it dirt because it belongs on the ground. It stays on the ground. And that's that. It's, it's, that's its relationship. You know, living people, they don't lay down in, in coffins. They lay down in beds. I mean, this is just how this is. We don't operate this way. And the angels are telling us, listen, Jesus is life. And life is not found in the grave. And Jesus himself told us that. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And what Jesus is saying in that is that he brings life to all, that you might put him in the grave, but he's going to bring life to that place as well. Jesus is letting us know that when we put our faith in him, when we believe that he has come as fully God and fully man, when we believe that he is crucified and dead, and when we believe that he is resurrected, that is when we tap into the life that he gives to us. That's what it really means to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, to accept him as our Lord and Savior, is to simply believe that he has done what he says he has done. And I can tell you, it's amazing. One of the things I love about my job is I get a front row seat of watching Jesus bring life to situations. I've seen that happen in hospitals when I've gone and visited and prayed with people. I've seen that happen in marriages when, when, when husband and wife will come together and they're going to decide that they're going to put their life back together in Jesus Christ. And I've also seen it happen the other way. When people reject Jesus and all of a sudden that life that they used to have, it's gone. 
It's, it's, it's amazing the life that Jesus brings. And I don't know, you know who everybody is tuned in, but I know that sometimes we look for Jesus and we don't find him, and I would say maybe the reason you've not found him is because he's not been where you've been looking. You see, Jesus isn't in many of the places where we look for him. At our house, we just rearranged our kitchen. We took everything out of the cupboards. We cleaned the cupboards. We painted the cupboards so that they, they don't look like dark. They look like bright. And it's very cheerful, very nice, you know. Uh, we put some new shelves in the bottom cupboards so that way it's not like a, a cavernous thing that, you know, a, a full-grown person could go hide inside. But now it's usable. We've done all sorts of stuff there. And, and one of the fun things has been playing the game, well, where did it move to? You know, we, we've moved things around and, and, you know, everything now has a new home. And the funny part is that some people in our house think we've, you know, there's different thoughts on where everything belongs. So, for instance, we have the apple cutter. Maybe you have one of these things. It's, it's a, you know, round looking knife. You put on the top of the apple and you, you know, do that. And you got to make the noise where it doesn't work. Um, and you do that. And it comes and it cuts the apple into the cores out. And then you get all the little slices. And in my mind, that's a knife. So it goes in the knife drawer. But we also have another drawer in our kitchen that's called the weird kitchen utensil. It's for all of the weird kitchen utensils. And it's, you know, maybe it belongs there because it's a weird knife. It's like a circle and it looks like, you know, it looks like a sun, you know, burst or something. So does it go in the weird kitchen utensil or does it go in the knife drawer? And so, you know, I'll put some stuff away and then Jenny will put some stuff away. And, and I always put it in the wrong place and she puts it in the right place. And I know that there's some newlyweds out there and some people about to be married and all the guys are going, well, how does he know that he's putting it in the wrong place and she's putting it in the right place? Listen, friends, I've been married for almost 19 years in June, 19 years of marriage, and I know it's taught me that I put it in the wrong place, she put it in the right place. So just, just come to grips with that now, just own it, just accept it, just be at peace with that, and your life will go better. You don't have to wait 19 years, you can start now. You can start right now. All right, so that, that part was for free. Now, it is mildly inconvenient to find things not where they belong in the kitchen. It's mildly inconvenient to not be able to find your tools when you thought you put it in the toolbox and you left it back at the same place you were working on stuff. I've often thought I'd be dangerous if I could always find the things that I'm looking for quickly. Uh, it's inconvenient, but it's not life-changing. Except for, you know, when we're talking about Jesus, we are talking about something that does change your life. And if you can't find him, that is more than inconvenient. That's a real problem. And so it's important that we look for Jesus and that we look for him in the wrong place. Now, I would say a lot of people look for Jesus in the wrong place. You know, they think, Jesus, this is an old story, and they, they look in old history books, and they think this is just a, something that is, is in history and it's done with. The truth is it did happen historically, but that's not where Jesus stayed. Some people will look for Jesus in a list of, of rules and regulations, and we're going to do it this way, and this is where we're going to find Jesus, and, and they don't find him there. Some people will look for Jesus in, in tradition, in old tradition, and they will see that there isn't much life there for them, and there's problems. Here's the thing. Jesus brings life, and so when you find Jesus, he will bring life to you. He is the most magnetic and spectacular person of all history he is the reason we mark time the way that we do. He is held up today as an example of a teacher of the greatest truth about right and wrong. He is held up today as the supreme example of what love really means. Jesus is alive and well, and we need to look for him in those places. If you haven't found Jesus, you've been looking in the wrong places. When you find Jesus, you'll know it because you'll find life. 
The Bible describes it in a few different ways. It says that we have peace that passes understanding. In other words, we're at peace even though we shouldn't be at peace. It says that we have a joy that is uncrushable. What is that about? It's that I have a joy that doesn't depend on happiness or my circumstances, but that it depends on the fact that I know I belong to Christ and Christ belongs to me. It is about a love that does not fade and doesn't end. It's knowing that God loves me and that there is nothing I could do that would separate me from the love of God. This is what it means. And when you've experienced that, you know it, and you can grab a hold of that. Now, I know that there's some of you that might be going, well, is this right? Because I don't think that's you know, really what I was told Jesus was going to look like. If so, maybe Jesus looks different than you think, because Jesus looks different than many people think. Perhaps you've been taught to spot Jesus looking as a vending machine. Or maybe Jesus to you is angry and just constantly disappointed with you. Or maybe God uh, you know, is irrelevant in your mind. Or maybe you've confused Jesus for superstition. You know, the kind that says, you know, Jesus, if you help me find a parking spot here at Walmart today, I'll give my life to you. I will be a missionary in some foreign country for the rest of my life if you will just help me find a parking space right now. And you have this tradition of superstition. Let me tell you, Jesus isn't there. Jesus is not going to be found in those places. Jesus has come to make all things new. The world, me, and you. And next week, we're starting a series about that, going through a book of Hebrews where it talks about how Jesus has come to make all things new. And I hope you'll join us for that. But Jesus has come to give life. He's come to set us free. He has not come to bargain with us. He has not come to make a deal with us. He has not come to keep us in captivity. Christ has come to set us free. And if you keep staring into the places where you used to look for Jesus, you might not ever find him. You might be a little bit like Mary. You're staring into the tomb, and you go, well, why don't I see Jesus here? Well, it's because you don't look for the living among the dead. But but here's what happens. The Apostle John, who is probably Jesus' best friend, he writes his gospel later than Luke writes his gospel. He writes it a lot later. And and John, what he does... There, she is staring into the tomb. Yes, they go and get the disciples and they come back. And then, you know, Mary is still there. The disciples come and they leave. And Mary is there and she's looking for Jesus. But Jesus is close. He's just not in the tomb. Mary turns around and she'll see Jesus, although she doesn't recognize him. Because her eyes aren't trained to see somebody who is risen from the dead. I mean, most of us, if we saw somebody who looked like somebody we had just attended a funeral for, we would not assume that that was them. We would assume it was somebody who looked a lot like them. But when Jesus speaks to her, when Jesus says her name, that's when she recognizes Jesus. And she goes, Jesus, teacher, Rabboni, that's what she says. And she recognizes him there. See, all she had to do was turn around. Mary had been looking into the tomb, but all she had to do was to turn around and to see him at work. I'll tell you, it takes some time. It's taken me some time to see Jesus at work in the world in which we live. I'm a skeptical person by nature. I'm somebody who, you know, I'm always questioning, is, is, you know, is this that or is this something else? Is there a different reason or explanation for this? You know, what is it? But I can tell you, I've seen enough stuff that, that leads me to believe as I look at it, I go, I can't explain this except for God. I can't explain this in any other way. And I see Jesus at work in those places. That doesn't mean I don't have questions. Yeah, I've still got questions. I'm still learning. You know, but, but that's the thing. The more we look for Jesus, the more we find him. And you will see Jesus when you look for him in the right places.
And the truth is this, is that you don't have to go far. Often you just have to turn around. Because here's the truth. Before you go looking for Jesus, Jesus has already been looking for you. And he wants to be found by you. So where might you find him today? Uh, let me give you a few verses here. Luke 17, 20. Jesus says this, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus tells us that we can find the kingdom of God among us as we find people that... that There, that's the kingdom of God. We can find Jesus among the broken and the outcast. Matthew 25 reminds us that the people that are hungry and sick and in need, those are the people that help us to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And when we show compassion to them and when we show love to them, that's when we start to catch a glimpse of our Creator. You, you see a glimpse of Jesus every time you look into the eyes of somebody that loves you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 says this, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, these are a few places of the everyday places that we will see Jesus when we look for him. But the best place, I would say the absolute best place that we can find Jesus is in the Gospels. When we look for Jesus there, we are able to see what these ancient eyewitnesses remembered about Jesus and what they wrote down for us. The Apostle John, again, likely Jesus' closest friend, he writes this in his Gospel. He says, these are written, in other words, these accounts, these narratives are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, John wrote his gospel so that you and I could get a glimpse of what Jesus looked like, that we could put our faith into him, and we would know who he was when we saw him in our everyday lives. Friends, our challenge this week, my challenge to you, is that we would look for Jesus that I would look for Jesus in the people around me, that I would look for Jesus in the situations I find myself. And if I don't see him at first, and if you don't see him at first, let's turn around because I think that we might find he's a lot closer to us than we imagine.